Hey, listeners, producer Cam here. Listen, it's about time we stopped using those generic razors or even, you know, those box electric razors that we think will do a good enough job on our undercarriage, but they really don't, and they always cause the nicks. The itchy red razor burn, the cut, and those cuts, they hurt so bad, and they cause us to scream at the top of our lungs, and it might fuel a curse-laden tirade that causes our wives or our girlfriends to walk into the bathroom, and they try to sympathize with us, but it's just so painful. But guess what? We can stop that, and the only one who can help you stop that is Manscaped. The Premium Lawnmower 3.0 is not only waterproof, but guess what? It includes an LED light. Man, this thing's like a tool that's highly engineered, and it helps you with your family jewels. And guess what? It's made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces, as we discussed before, the nicks and cuts on your delicates. You can get this trimmer inside the Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Preserver, a undercarriage deodorant, and the Crop Reviver, a family jewel toning spray. Both super practical, and they are aromatic as they smell divine. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package Kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. So, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. I'll repeat that again. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20, and that's numerical two zero, all one word, THEATHLETIC20. Get 20% off and free shipping. So, always use the right tools for the job. Get it from Manscaped. Let's get to the show. 15. Is it time to sit slumping stars with half the season left? And who are the emerging closers worth pursuing? Like death and taxes. Dodger's been a Dodger. I have not had uh, three co-crews yet. It works great in a fantasy. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15. On The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Monday, August 24th. I'm Al Melkier, and I'm here with Derek Van Riper. And DVR, let's start right away with um, a couple of dilemmas that uh, I think a lot of fantasy owners are going to be facing. Uh, I I count myself as one of them. Uh, A couple of uh, poor starts on Sunday from a a couple of starting pitchers that really needed to turn things around. Frankie Montas, who uh, just hasn't really been right since having a a back issue uh, against the Angels, four and two thirds innings, four runs on seven hits uh, and three walks. And Carlos Carrasco lasting only three and a third innings against the Tigers, which should be a really favorable matchup. He too giving up four runs on seven hits. Uh, is it is it just in general? Is it time for us with half the season left, even though we've only played a month or so, uh, to to sit players that we drafted early or had high expectations for? I think if we look at the underlying causes for struggles like this and we see velocity drops or we see pitch mix changes we see something that sort of explains why the slow start is happening i think in those cases you can justify making some changes now i think with both montas and carrasco as i look at them i see a slight velo drop for montas down from 96.4 with the fastball last year to 95.3 And I would agree with you. It just doesn't seem like he's been right since that back injury came up a few weeks ago. The first couple starts of the season looked like he was picking up right where he left off at the time of his suspension last summer. So I wonder if he's 
dealing with that back injury or dealing with some other ailment, kind of pitching through something, and that's why he's lost the velo. That's why he's not maybe commanding his pitches quite as well. I would say both of these guys in most cases are more players you would reserve rather than players you would drop because I think if they come out in their next start, they show more typical velocity, they show better command, they show more crisp secondary pitches, you're going to want to have those guys right back in your lineup at the next opportunity. I mean, it's a funny difference, right? The reserve this guy rather than drop this guy, but I think both Montes and Carrasco fall into this category. Yeah, and I certainly wouldn't feel comfortable dropping either of them or any player that I really expected was going to be a core part of my team. And if we look at some hitters, too, that are really in in the same position, uh, Eugenio Suarez, although he did homer on Sunday, Javier Baez, Josh Bell, Jose Altuve, and Matt Olson, who's homered nine times but hasn't really done a whole lot else. And I uh, went and, and did the the process that you just described, DVR, which is with Olsen. I looked, what is the difference here, especially since the power clearly is present for him? Big drop in his first pitch strike rate. Uh, in fact, only Kevin Biggio has a uh, lower rate than Olsen. He's just not getting pitched to. But whether it's Olsen or Altuve or anybody else I mentioned, similar process there. Uh, just uh, stash them and give them a, a week or two to see if they can get on track. Yeah, I think it's a similar process. I mean, I think I'm looking for average exit velocity. I'm looking at batted ball types. I'm looking for strikeout rates. I'm looking for swings outside the zone and just trying to decide based on the combination of factors. Is this a profile shift that is correctable? Is this a profile shift that might align with some kind of unreported injury or is it just smaller sample bad luck? I mean, in the case of Matt Olson, we're talking about a guy who is just over 120 plate appearances this season. If this were a normal year, it would be, what, the first week of May, roughly, this many games in. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you can have a a bad first month and bounce back and have a great season anyway. And in the case of Olsen, I think the thing that gives me some hope is that he has been hitting for the power we expected. I mean, nine homers already uh, and, and average exit velocity numbers that support the power still being there. Those are good things. The strikeout rate's not off the charts. It's actually a tick lower than it was last year. And he's walking as much as he's ever walked as a big league hitter. So for me, there's still more good than bad in the underlying numbers when it comes to Olsen. And I would look at him as more of a trade target. You know, if you're looking for power and uh, maybe someone who's going to bounce back in that batting average category and provide plenty of run production, I think Matt Olsen can be that player the rest of the way. Yeah, well, and that uh, walk rate just uh, really reinforces that uh, other trend that uh, he's just not getting pitched to. It's uh, it's strange. But again, we've, we've seen strange things kind of even out after the first month of a season. So we have to keep that in mind as well. Uh, a lot of injury news to get to. Uh, we had a big trade over the weekend. Um, so we'll get to all that. Let's uh, get to the injury news. Chris Bryant placed on the injured list with a sprained left finger. There is no timetable yet for his return. So uh, people that have got Chris Bryant, um, I, I would think it would be obvious that he gets stashed, um, especially since it's a, it's an IL situation for him. I'm, I'm surprised that Alec Bohm is still available in quite a lot of leagues. Um, so to me, he would be probably the prime target if he's still around. Uh, but if he's not, who do you see as uh, the, the best third, bla- third base replacement? Or do you see somebody maybe that is even better than Alec Bohm? 
Yeah, Bohm, I think, would be near the top of the list in leagues where he's still out there. There's a couple other guys at third base who are interesting just because they're playing a lot more. These are more deeper league considerations. But uh, Isak Paredes is up for the Tigers. He's stuck in the bottom third of the order right now. So I think you're looking at more of like a 15-plus team league uh, if he's on your radar. Abraham Toro's playing a lot for the Astros in the short term because Alex Bregman is on the injured list. I'd say Toro for a short-term pickup, probably is a little further ahead of Paredes in terms of development, so I would lean toward Toro of those two. But the player I think I like the most with third-base eligibility who's been widely available in leagues to this point in the season is Brad Miller. And I think he's one of these guys that, you know, he had that 30-home run season with the Rays back in 2016. I always thought that was a big outlier. And he's kind of showing us in recent years that he hits the ball harder than most. Average exit velocities of 91.1, 92.6, and 92.8 miles per hour in 2018, 19, and 20, respectively. Still just 30 years old. And this is a guy that hit 13 homers and 170 plate appearances last year, split between two teams. It just makes me wonder, is that 30 home run season we saw back in 2016 actually a level he can get back to? And based on that sort of exit velocity, I think it's at least possible. Now, I think the thing that makes Miller appealing is... He can play shortstop. He can play second base if needed. They probably don't need him to do it with Colton Wong there. And the universal DH, of course, opens up one extra spot. And while the Cardinals are going to have Paul DeYoung back from the COVID IL, Miller has outhit Matt Carpenter and Tommy Edmond to this point. So I think there are multiple paths for him to continue playing. The underlying numbers are good. And you get the bonus of extra games as the Cardinals try to make up lost time from earlier this season. Well, DVR, uh, we've got a lot more here to discuss, but uh, we've got a message from our friends over at DirecTV. Well, and, and an injury on Sunday may open up an opportunity for another potential replacement. Um, Kevin Newman uh, was uh, he left the uh, Pirates game early on Sunday with abdominal discomfort. Also, Colin Moran, who's been playing a lot of first base, but also third base eligible. He left uh, after uh, colliding with Avisail Garcia and he's being evaluated for concussion symptoms. And so there's the possibility that we see Kebrian Brian Hayes. Uh, that was something that was raised by Adam Barry in a piece on MLB.com. And I also saw the athletics uh, Rob Beer Temple uh, raise the same possibility. So uh, where do you put Hayes uh, among the candidates uh, as a possible, say, Bryant replacement? I would put him closer to Paredes. I think the thing about Brian Hayes that's always made him a little bit frustrating in long-term fantasy leagues is that his glove has always been ahead of his bat and his hit tool is ahead of his power, which gives him a nice floor. It gives him a chance to play a lot. I'm surprised he wasn't called up already. I know the Pirates are on the short list of teams that absolutely considers cost and, and Super 2 would be something that's on their minds. Uh, but I do think he, even in that lineup, gets stuck maybe hitting 7th or 8th, at least initially, and maybe doesn't offer a lot outside of Batting average, maybe a little bit in the stolen base category as well. So I think with Cabrian Hayes, you know, he's he's not going to give you the same type of power or anything close to it that Chris Bryant ordinarily would, but he could play a lot because the Pirates have really no reason to avoid giving him regular run if they call him up. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we can talk about their situation a little bit later because the trade deadline is just a week away. Uh, We've got some updates on some health situations with the Rays. Charlie Morton, he long tossed on Sunday, so he could be back sometime this week, as could Oliver Drake, uh, who's been out with biceps tendinitis. Uh, Both players uh, threw on Sunday and looked good. Uh, so, uh, according to Trisha Whitaker of Fox, Fox Sports Florida, both uh, pitchers Drake and Morton could be back uh, very soon. In the meantime, on Sunday, Josh Fleming made his debut for the Rays, and you know, not overwhelming from a fantasy perspective, but a good start. Uh, two runs allowed in just five innings. Um, and actually, I'm sorry, this was uh, against the uh, the Blue Jays. Um. Do you think that there's a possibility that even with Morton coming back, that maybe Fleming has earned himself another shot? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Trevor Richards has really struggled more than I expected him to. And I think that at least leaves the door open for the Rays to consider making a longer term adjustment. They can continue to use Richards in that multi-inning relief role. And I think the other interesting factor here with the Rays too is Yanni Chorinos is down for the season now. So Instead of having him coming back into the equation, you know they do have to find some long-term answers for a team that is so loaded with pitching depth. They've had another rash of injuries this season that kind of makes me wonder if they're actually going to be trying to trade for another starter at the deadline next week. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we have to consider when we look at all these uh, injury situations is uh, will teams look for those external replacements? And um, that could maybe be a situation with the Blue Jays. They've lost uh, Matt Shoemaker with uh, shoulder inflammation. He's on the injured list. Uh, Trent Thornton is hurt again. And of course, you've already got Nate Pearson out. So they're really uh, struggling with their starting pitching depth. Jake Odorizzi is on the IL for the Twins with a chest contusion, but Michael Pineda is eligible to return for the Twins on August 31st, uh, coming back from his drug suspension. So uh, that may solve uh, an issue there for the Twins and something to keep in mind maybe for your uh, next fab opportunity. There was uh, a notable trade over the weekend between the Phillies and the Red Sox. Uh, Phillies getting erstwhile Red Sox closer Brandon Workman, uh, along with fellow reliever Heath Hembree. Workman now already in two save situations for the Phillies. Uh, neither one won particularly well, but kind of caught a break with a great defensive play um, and uh, did get the save on Sunday. Uh, for the Phillies going the other way to Boston, Nick Pavetta, Connor Siebold, and Addison Russ. Um I would think Workman loses a little bit of value here uh, because especially with not getting off to a great start with the Phillies, I would think Hector Neris is probably still in that picture. Uh, is there anything actionable here for people who have Workman and or uh, Neris rostered already? I think Neris is a forced hold for a week just because of how Workman's time with the Phillies has started. I think if Workman had come in Saturday, looked really good. You know, that maybe would just would have given you a little extra nudge to consider dropping Naris. But this is close enough where you could easily see Naris wrestling the job back. I mean, we could see Naris get a save because Workman's thrown on back-to-back days as well. So uh, I would hold for now and, and watch the situation very carefully because Brandon Workman's track record prior to last season isn't strong enough for us to just assume that he's going to hold this job the rest of the way for the Phillies. They've just had so many issues in their bullpen this year that they have. Um, I, I read uh, a day or two ago that if they maintain their current ERA, it will be the worst bullpen ERA in major league history. So, and of course a lot of asterisks with the very short season, but still not, 
Not a good development there. Uh, a lot of bullpen developments here over the weekend. Uh, Drew Pomeranz on the injured list for the Padres, so they're down their top two uh, back-end relievers. Uh, Pomeranz with the left shoulder strain. Nick Anderson for the Rays um, on the injured list with forearm discomfort. And also Chaz Rowe with an elbow injury. So that piece earlier about Oliver Drake might not have seemed like a big deal, but with the uh, Padre or with the Rays bullpen rather uh, down a couple of uh, important pitchers uh, that that might loom important for, uh, for Oliver Drake. Uh, John Curtis did get a five out save against the Blue Jays on Sunday. So maybe he continues to be on that mix uh, for the short term. Jeremy Jeffress got another save for the Cubs against the White Sox on Sunday. So that looks like a, a fairly wide open situation. Craig Kimbrell pitching the eighth. Keonakella with the Pirates. Uh, he is day to day with a forearm injury. And Rich Rodriguez got a save against the Brewers on Sunday. So a whole bunch of situations there. Pirates, Cubs. Rays, Phillies, uh, Padres, uh, which one do you think presents the best opportunity for people to find some saves? Probably the Padres. I mean, I think with Pomeranz, it may only be 10 days before Pomeranz comes back, depending on the severity of the shoulder strain for Drew Pomeranz. But I think the reason I like that situation is because Emilio Pagan just stands out as the best option to replace him. Uh, They could do something unexpected. They could throw... Luis Patino out there in save situations. They just really haven't been using him that way so far. Uh, the only concern with Pagan is that he hasn't looked like himself to this point in the season. But you look at his overall record, track record over the last three years, it's outstanding. One of the better non-closer relievers during that span. Uh, so I was willing to take the chance on him where he was available. I guess the other situation I was looking at this weekend was the one in Pittsburgh because I'm not convinced that Kella is going to avoid the IL. And I think with Richard Rodriguez... I don't think it's going to take much of a bid to actually pick him up in most leagues that use fab. I think people are generally pretty skeptical of Pirates closers anyway, uh, but I do like that he's throwing his slider more than he's ever thrown that pitch in Pittsburgh. I think it's a big part of why he's been so effective this season. Yeah, he's really been good. And I really, I'll be honest, when setting my fab on Sunday, had a dilemma about whether or not to elevate him uh based on just the performance as opposed to Pagan, who, as you pointed out, he just hasn't really been himself. Uh, I did wind up prioritizing Pagan uh, over Rodriguez, but uh, Rodriguez could still be out there uh, in a lot of leagues. And the other thing to consider is with the trade deadline coming up on the 31st, that if Kella, if this is really is a short-term thing for him, then maybe the Pirates do wind up trading him before the deadline. So a couple of different paths for Rodriguez perhaps to get saves uh, over the, the final several weeks here. Uh, something to keep in mind there. So uh, with that said, uh, there's uh, nothing really more useful than getting the inside scoop from beat writers in terms of who might get called up, who might get traded. And so there's a terrific piece on The Athletic that was compiled by this show's very own Michael Beller. Uh, Inside info, our MLB beat writers identify potential changes for their teams. That is today's featured read on The Athletic. And uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and review, we would greatly appreciate it if you take the time to do that. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier. We'll return right here on Tuesday. Tuesday.